good evening. Good evening, everyone in church and uh, those following us online. Uh, welcome to our Wednesday night. Um, time of depression. I mean time for service. I say depression because uh, some thoughts are running through my mind tonight and um, I thought it would be a good night to see if I can pursue those thoughts before the service comes to an end. Um, we will not start in prayer. We'll pray after we sing this song tonight. How about that? All right. So, he never has failed me yet. And it is appropriate to this month that we are reflecting on the goodness of the Lord uh, over these past 42 years that he has been with us here in Mississauga. Um, uh, like I said before, and we'll be saying this until the weekend is over, that the Lord has been good to us. I feel in my own spirit that the Lord brought us here in Mississauga for a purpose. We were not always in Mississauga. We were in Toronto for a little bit. And up to this day, I think a lot of folks still call the church uh, Toronto Assembly. Well, that's okay. Uh, but tonight, we like to sing this song that is one of my favorite songs. Um, and um, it's anniversary month, and I think this is fitting to the path God has taken us through over these years. He never has failed me yet. So rugged and steep, when I pass through the valley, so dark and so deep, and when snares for my soul by my foes have been set, Jesus never has failed me yet. He never has failed me yet. The chorus. He never. says he will do he never has failed me yet so I walk by his side through the heat of the day his side through the heat where he leads me I'll follow his will I obey and he makes me to conquer the ills that beset for he never has failed me yet me yet he never has failed me yet he never Dread not the future, then I'll pray 
not the foe. I'm safe in his keeping. Wherever I go. For no soul that has trusted him. Will he forget. For he never has failed me yet. Father, tonight I want to say thank you for never failing us. Lord, sometimes when the path is dreary and lonely and offers us mysteries and complex situations that we fully don't comprehend and understand, we thank you, Lord, when it's all over, only to discover that you have never failed us. And when we look at the history of your work, O oh God, you have never, ever failed to accomplish what you had. Your plan sometimes might be seemingly stagnated, Father, but you're such a wonderful Father. And I want to thank you for not only never failing us, but being there with us over these years. Thank you again tonight, Lord, for this month that we can remember and reflect on things that you've done for us over the years. Lord, words are insufficient to adequately describe your goodness and your mercy. Tonight, we ask your blessing on this service. We pray for those that are not well, that is um, listening to us tonight, that Lord, even right now, we believe there's no distance in prayer, but Father, that your hand can reach on into their lives and touch them, Father. Every depression tonight, Lord, we pray that you'll lift your people out of depression and bondage. As I pray tonight, Father, I pray that everyone that needs a touch from you, that even right now, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray that you'll give them a deliverance in their lives, Father. Wherever that lonely soul is, Father, we pray that you'll, oh Lord, refresh their soul and their spirit tonight. Bless this service, we pray. Lord, continue to be with us, and we thank you so much, Lord, from the very depths of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. While my piano player is sitting, Jesus, I'm 
Come on, let's sing this song to the Lord tonight. Jesus, praise you. Congregation, let's all stand and sing this song. You are my strength and you
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship and we bless your name tonight. Amen. Let's be seated. It is, it is an amazing journey that we have made over these past years. And in Canada, we are remembering 42 years that we have been in this country. But understand that the Lord called me at an early age, did not hear a voice, I did not uh, see an angel. I just felt an urge in my life when I was a young man that I should become a minister. I should go full time. I was not even thinking about being a preacher. I was thinking this desire to go full time. I used to be afraid to preach. I used to be afraid to testify, much more to categorize myself as a minister. But uh, over 50, approximately 54 years ago, I was just about 18 years old, felt the calling on my life and I went full time. Over those years, the Lord has led me with many, many dreams. Before I heard about the kingdom, I dreamt about the kingdom. Uh, there were dreams, one dream after the other, that the Lord uh, showed me. Uh, after the fact, I realized that the Lord was, was really in all of those dreams. And so, when I'm looking back at the journey the Lord has brought me uh, through, and, and Sister Chandra included, and then Nadine came, uh, she was born in August uh, 1973, right? August 1973. We got married in 71. And last year was our 50th anniversary. And God has been good. Uh, this morning, uh, strange in my prayer, uh, in my time spending time, uh, quiet time before the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, your word tells me uh, tells us that he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I said, I'm not fully understanding what that means. Does it mean that if I lose my life, I don't put my life as a priority and my desires as a priority? I've never really planned big on retirement. And somebody, if they look at my bank account and look at my, uh, my assets and what I have, um, if you see all my liabilities are so piled up. Uh, but, you know, as I spoke to the Lord this morning, I said, you said if I lose my life, I'll find it. And uh, that's what I believe God. He has never, ever failed us. It looks like things were not like everybody else, but remember that lesson, the lesson that we had last week on Aesop? That was a very good lesson. And so I'm thinking of all these men of God. Two men that I relate with really, really good are, are the, Isaiah and the other is Jeremiah. Isaiah lived about little over a hundred years before Jeremiah. But when these prophets came, they were preaching to a rebellious people. Israel, God's children, when you have a prophet sent unto you, it's because the nation is rebellious. If the prophet fails to declare what God places in his mind, uh, and he wants to 
uh, sort of relate with the other preachers and prophets in that period of time, uh, he will not give to the people that which God has commissioned him to give. And God's people who have always been rebellious, God's people have always been rebellious, except us today. We, God's people today, we're not rebellious. We just love the Lord. The world has no hold on us. The world is really having no hold on us. We spend more time serving God every day. We sing praises to the Lord. And we actually meet every day in prayer. Is that so? No, we're no different. As a matter of fact, the age we're living in might be worse than any other age that existed on this planet. Uh, Jesus made a statement in Matthew chapter 23. The Lord gives me a little strength here tonight. I'll talk a little bit about the prophet Jeremiah. I'll choose Jeremiah tonight. Just a little bit, just a tip of the iceberg on Jeremiah, because these men are my favorite men in the Bible. Paul is, well, all the men of God are favorite of mine. I'm inspired. You know, you get inspired by certain uh, people and certain preachers. Well, here Jesus in the 23rd chapter of Matthew's gospel, and um, we must understand that Jesus was very, very uh, uh, charitable to apostasy in his time. Uh, he was, if we can have the Spirit, when we say, Jesus, fill me with your Spirit, that's a deep prayer. That's a song that tells me, well, I want to speak in tongues. No, that's not what that song is about. That song is not trembling in church and speaking in tongues. I got the Spirit. No, that song is telling us that if we are filled with His Spirit, His characteristics, his attitude and attributes come upon and become a part of our lives. Uh, we will love like he loved. He loved, he still loves today, but we will love people like Jesus loves them. We will, we will be sympathetic with individuals. We will reach out to the lost and dying. Uh, we'll never be able to come to the place where we'll give our life for the world, yet some people have done that. Over the years, there are martyrs that were prepared to die than rather deny the Lord. While Jesus was a wonderful Savior, that's why he's called Savior, because his very name, he shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people. And today we understand that he's not only saving his people, he is saving anyone. Uh, when John writes about him, he says he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but to as many, and that's, that's including you and I tonight, as many as receive him, Jew or Gentile, to them he give you the authority to become the sons of God. What a privilege us Gentiles uh, who are once like Gentile dogs can be inter, uh, engrafted, can be adopted, can be uh, become a part of the family of God. 
And so when we think about the spirit of Jesus, we're thinking about his meekness, his compassion, his tenderness. Uh, we're thinking about all the fruit of the spirit, like Paul mentions in Galatians, the fifth chapter. Well, there was another side of Jesus that would let him walk into the temple and take a, a uh, some uh, cords or some whip, uh, a kind of whip in his hands and beat the money changers out of God's house. There was a part of Jesus that was not all lovey-dovey without principle and discipline. He's a savior, but he's also a judge. He's a savior, but he's also the head of the church. And when we understand who Jesus really is, it will put the fear of God in our lives. Well, Matthew chapter 23, he says a lot of stuff, tough stuff to the Pharisees, the religious element in his day. And here are a few verses. He says, verse 13, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He wasn't saying this in a, on the internet. He was saying this face to face, uh, as they stood before him, he was telling them very blunt. Uh, so tonight we'll deal a little bit with, uh, if the Lord helps us here, with Jeremiah and his unapologetic approach to preaching the gospel that God gave him to preach. Uh, these prophets were not like easygoing chocolate coat uh, preachers that preach chocolate coated messages, you know, caramel filled. No. There were men that said the word of God just like it should be said. Blunt, with no apologies. And if they failed, then God would judge them and send someone else. But Jesus said here to the Pharisees in verse 13, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He's not addressing the Sadducees, but scribes and Pharisees. They were the ones standing in front of him. He says, hypocrites. He says, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You don't want to go in, but you're hindering anyone that wants to go in. It's like if a pastor sits down and listens to my message and he tells the sin, don't listen to Brother Singh. He does not believe in it, and he wants to hinder anyone that wants to believe in the message. And that happens all the time, all through the years and ages. Men have stood there and blocked individuals wanting to go into the kingdom. They don't want to go themselves, but they want to hinder individuals going in. And Jesus said, woe unto them. He says, um, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for pretense you make long prayers to impress the people, that is. He says, verse 15, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, are you hypocrites? For you compass land and sea. You got a big evangelistic work. You can reach out to foreign countries and foreign lands. Well, here is the problem. If you're not saved, and if your concept of God is flawed, everyone that you convert is really perverted. If your gospel is flawed and your gospel is not the truth, as God would have it, then the more you come past land and sea, you'll take a sinner and make a double sinner out of him, a religious sinner. And Jesus says, 
You compass land and sea to make a proselyte, and when he's made, you make him a twofold child of hell uh, than yourself. And he goes on, he called them blind guides, and verse 23 says, Won't you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites? And went on, on and on, verse 25, 26, 27, uh, 29, goes all the way, call them hypocrites, like if they did not hear it the first time, he called them hypocrites all the time. Um, I don't only want that part of Jesus working in my life, I want the other part, where he'll turn to a woman caught in adultery and says, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more, right? Or he'll call a man like Zacchaeus to come down and uh, go and visit his house and uh, give him the gospel. Well, as you come to the end of this chapter, in verse 34, I'm not sure if that's the end of it, but in verse 34, yes, almost there. In verse 34, he says, Wherefore, behold, I send you, uh, unsent unto you prophets. Uh, he is talking, Jesus is uh, manifesting his pre-existence because he was in the Old Testament. Uh, the, uh, the one that met the children of Israel and led them through the wilderness, that was not the father, that was the son. And uh, the one that appeared to Moses in the burning bush, that was not just an angel, that was the angel of the Lord, which was another description of Jesus. And he, you remember, he told the Pharisees, he says, uh, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad. And they said, how can you say Abraham rejoiced to see your day? Are you older than our father Abraham? And he said unto them, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Beautiful. I, I love little nuggets like this. Well, here he says, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogue. They'll beat them in your synagogue and persecute them from city to city. He says the same thing will happen in this generation, that if you in your generation reject the ministry that God's using, the judgment that God will judge everyone that rejected the prophets of the Old Testament would be falling on you. It will be the same form of judgment because if God sends individuals, you need to understand that. And may God give you an illumination for you to comprehend that. That when you stand with those ministers, God is standing with you. And so here we are in Canada for 42 years. And I want to say, and I'll say this again, that I thank God for everyone standing with us. And I was telling the dean this morning, I said, I called a few names and I said, you know, uh, these folks have stood with us and I could not have survived by myself. But I could not be standing here in this country and being able to survive and have a family that I can take unless there were people that God raised up to stand with me. And so tonight, I want to say thank you to everyone that stood with us. You might not be giving a lot, uh, but you, you have stood with us on a monthly basis and continuous basis and help us to remain in this country and to meet the needs. God said he will provide. 
Jesus told his disciples, when you enter into a city, see in that city who is worthy uh, to, to, uh, that uh, if uh, the person is worthy to take care of you while you're there. And if you're worthy, let your blessing come upon that house. And Jesus said here, that upon you may come all the righteous blood, verse 35, shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barcaius, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. So when I'm thinking of prophets, I'm thinking of men that are rejected. And the greatest rejection of all time was the Lord Jesus himself. He came to his own and his own received him not. Amen? Isn't that what the scripture says? But Isaiah says, who had believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And he told us that Jesus shall come, grow up out of the earth as a root out of a tent, as, as a uh, root out of the ground. Uh, he said he had no form, not comeliness. And when Israel sees him, they'll reject him. They will not desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. What keeps me going in the ministry is... Um, in a situation like mine, is if there are individuals that are not there standing with me. You see, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing, I have individuals in this assembly that have patient, are patient and continuous in their well-doing. When you think about individuals standing with the prophets, the prophets were all a lonely bunch of individuals. Isaiah, who came just before Jeremiah, a hundred years before him, did Isaiah because he was not a pleasant preacher. And Jesus was not really a pleasant preacher all the time. When he was preaching to hungry souls, he offered them a very beautiful gospel. When he was dealing with rebelliousness among God's people, at that time, the Pharisees were a part of God's people. The Sadducees were a part of God's people. Well, today, we're living in a different age, and we're looking at the vicarious experiences of these men in the Scripture and see how we can apply them to our own lives in our day. All right? And so, here in Jeremiah, the uh, first chapter of Jeremiah, the Lord was sending Jeremiah, and he says... In chapter 1 and verse 3, the Lord said to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now remember that, because Jeremiah, in the later chapter, uh, he complained. Uh, hold your finger in chapter 1 and turn with me to chapter, let's see here, chapter 20. In chapter 20, uh, Jeremiah is making some statements. He said in verse 7, he says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Now we're picking on little verses that we're coming back here tonight before the service is ended. But you know this man, uh, he was going through a period of time, a little problem here in his life, Jeremiah did. And he actually said, the Lord says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Well, here's what Jeremiah says concerning that in chapter 20 and verse 14. He said, Cursed be the day wherein I was born. Sounds like Job, right? 
He said, Cursed is the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bear me be blessed. And that is because people were rejecting him. So you mean, you mean Jeremiah, the mighty prophet? Listen, Jeremiah was a human being, and so his brother sing. We stand up tall and preach the gospel, but we're human beings that would feel rejection just like Jesus felt rejection, just like Jeremiah felt rejection, just like Isaiah felt rejection. And when you are accepted by individuals, you really appreciate God for that. Now, did God, do you think God would take Jeremiah's statement and, act, and answer it? No, he would not, because Jeremiah, in his pain and agony and rejection, he's making statements. But I admire the man still, because I see his humanity, and I see the champion that he was. He says, because he slew me not from the womb. Oh, that my mother might have been my grave. I hope she died in childbirth. Not only that I die in childbirth, but my mama died and I was left in the womb. And she was my grave. Have you ever complained? Have you ever complained when you got a pain somewhere and things are not going good? You wish to God you, 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 you didn't have that? Well, here is a prophet that God called. And he says, um, Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my days shall be consumed with shame? Man of God that suffered through the years, that brought this gospel to us, are champions. Are we worthy of the gospel they have delivered unto us? It's a good question. Here in chapter 1, Jeremiah the Lord says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctify thee, and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Jeremiah speaking, he says, Ah, Lord, behold, I can't speak. I'm not really a preacher. That reminds me of me. I did not really like to preach. I remember back there in Guyana, and um, I'll wait until uh, the first part of the service. They pray for about 10, 15 minutes. And so they prayed, and then uh, they sang choruses, worship choruses, and then people testified. Well, I made sure that I got into church when the testimony was over. Tail end, so I didn't have to testify. You know, there I was, afraid to speak. And Jeremiah was afraid to speak. Then the Lord says, said to him, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee. Uh, where so whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. Now this is the promise that God made to Jeremiah. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I will put my words in thy mouth. Now he didn't tell him what kind of words. Or otherwise, Jeremiah might have changed his mind. The Lord didn't tell him what kind of words. I'll put my words. His words are not chocolate coated. He says, See, I have set thee this day. The Lord says, Jeremiah, I have set thee this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. That here is what you're going to do, buddy. You're going to be a great man. You'll root up uh, and pull down and destroy and throw down and build and plant. 
Now, when you think about this prophet being sent to a nation that is serving God, what is he to do? What is he supposed to root out? Well, he's to root out traditions that God did not start. He's to root out every pagan concept. That's why if you read the 10 chapter, he condemns all this pagan worship and pagan stuff that they were doing. Uh, let me back up a little. Let me move forward here a little, just for a few moments with the 10 chapter. Uh, maybe I should have used the whole service to just talk tonight. But in the 10th chapter, uh, the Lord said, hey, Jeremiah says, learn not, verse 2, learn not the way of the heathen. That's his message. He says, you all don't go learn the way of the heathen. Well, in our day, the heathen is operating in the church. Preachers are learning the way of the heathen more than they're learning to hear from God. He says, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the, heaven are dis uh, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the custom of the people are vain. One cut at a tree out of the forest, and the workmen of the hand, and the workmen uh, with the axe, they deck it with silver with, and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that did move not. Sounds like the Christmas tree. Not exactly Christmas tree, but it sounds like the Christmas tree. And you know, that's a sad thing because the Christmas tree in the church is an abomination to that church. Amen. Listen to me. A Christmas tree in your home is an abomination to your home. Brother Singh said so. Yes. Did God start that? No. The devil did, and he got you took. And you become an addict to that, and so Jeremiah was not a nice guy. Hey, Jeremiah, my mama had this, and my grandpa had this. You want to tell us we can, this is, the kids love it. But God hates it. All right? You got it? And so Jeremiah went on. He says that they do all kinds of things. He says, um... And he tells Jeremiah, he says, you got to pull down, man. Root up. So it's absolutely necessary as a preacher that I ask God to give me some insight into what we do. I told Nadine, nothing is wrong with a beautiful band and an orchestra that plays melodies and majestically before God. But when the church turns into Mardi Gras or Carnival... I'm against that. We're here and we have a great king that we worship. Let's worship the great king with majesty. It's beautiful. And so he says, root up. Uh, where am I? Root up and pull down. What's not rooting up? Uh, what's already established? Pull it down. Reach on in first of all and see if something is sitting in their hearts. Root it up. Ouch! Well, it will hurt if it's buried in your heart. Root it up. And if it's already built as an edifice, pull it down, he said. God's people. And then destroy it that it does not work again. And then throw down whatever. And then build and plant. You can't build and plant on corruption. You have to make sure you do a good job. And you know when that was done, if that was not all, the Lord told him, uh, verse 17, Thou gird thyself like a, and thy loins, and rise and speak unto this people all that I command you. 
You see, he did not have his own little message bottled up in a little notepad. He had to speak exactly what God commanded him. He says, Lord says, Be not afraid of their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Behold, I've made thee this day a defenseless city. Sounds like great, right? Lord says, I've made you a defenseless city, an iron pillar, and a brazen wall against the whole land and against the kings of Judah, and against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people. They shall fight against thee, but shall not prevail. Well, how is it in verse chapter 20, we have this man complaining. Well, let's back over here to chapter 20 for a little bit here. But before we jump into chapter 20, how about we back up a little bit from chapter 20 to the last parts of chapter, four, uh, chapter 19. In chapter 19, it says, verse 14, Then came Jeremiah from Tobit, uh, whither the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood in the court in the Lord's house and said to all the people standing right there in the middle of the house of God, and he's going to preach. And he said, Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon this city and all her tongues all the evil that I pronounced against it, because they have hardened their next, next, that they might not hear my words. People come on in and their necks are hardened because they don't want to hear it. Before the preacher even got up, they've already decided what attitude to show. I remember looking at a video clip of myself in one of the, uh, one, some meeting somewhere, and I'm looking, and uh, everybody's ha having a wonderful time until Brother Singh gets up. And before Brother Singh even opened his mouth, I look at the video, and I see there is a quietus. One man in that meeting was lifting his supporting me, and he still supports me today. But I'm looking at that, and I said, what a way. It's so, I'm so glad I don't depend on amens to preach the gospel that God has placed in my heart. And uh, any time we have reached on in and started something, people might be against it. But if God is with it, it will survive. And so Jeremiah started to preach to the people. And Pashur, uh, verse chapter 20, verse 1, the son of Immer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord. You know, sometimes you go in the house of the Lord and you got a governor. You ever had someone walk in the church and walk around like they're governor? Please, if you're a governor in my church, ungovernor yourself. Because we, the rich man comes in, the poor man comes in. When we come here, we are brothers and sisters together. Don't be a lord over God's heritage. I try to set an example where I'm a servant to the church. And I've got this attitude, and God has been with me over the years, that if I say, I want some brothers paint the wall, and nobody shows up, I'll paint it myself or hire somebody to paint it. I never wait on individuals to, you know, voluntarily uh, do things. Somebody told me, because nobody does anything perfectly, 
and that is why nobody wants to do anything. That's a cop-out, the biggest cop-out I can find. If you want to work for God, you'll be willing to work. I don't have to ask you to come. You see, I was a young man growing up. My pastor did not have to ask me to go wash his car every Saturday morning. I did. No one had to ask me. I knew what to be done. Are you with me? I did not call Brother Joe and says, Is anybody brothers coming out to shovel the snow? Did I call you, Brother Joe? No. When you come out, I, I came and he was already uh, at uh, two-thirds of the parking lot was done. I did not. And the next day I made sure, when next day we had snow, I made sure that I beat him to it. I could have been low, laying back and says, I hope he's done by now. No. I'm a child of God. I'm to be aggressive. And so I took the aggression and went on. Well, here was Jeremiah and pastured a governor. Uh, what a governor. He sat on to, he smote Jeremiah. He walked up there and hit Jeremiah, the prophet, and put him in stocks. That's not stocks and bonds. That is uh, like, you know, little things that your hands are tied and uh, your feet are tied. And they put you in there and then whip you. And he... Uh, put him there and put Jeremiah in stock. And it came to pass in the morning, uh, on the morrow, he had him overnight. The prophet. The prophet. That is why when I read about these men, I love Jeremiah so much and I detest every man that stood against him. And uh, today, our attitude to God's ministry today is important because we'll receive the judgment of God that, the, the, uh, that the, the people that rejected these prophets of all receive if we fail to conform to what God wants us to do. Amen? And so Jeremiah, uh, he was uh, let go, and, and when he was let go, uh, he, he, he got quiet. He did not say anything. Then said Jeremiah, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 3, uh, Jeremiah said in the middle of that verse, he said, now that he got freed, he said, the Lord had not called thy name Pashur, but he says, here's the name that the Lord has gotten, has given you. It's Magar Misabib. The margin says, terror on every side. He says, your name is not Pashur. The man just got released from the stocks. You think he would be afraid and run and hide? No. When God has called you, you don't run and hide. The whole world can come against you you preach the gospel he says you're a terror unto the people and uh, thus saith the lord behold i will make thee a terror to, to thyself not the people and to all your friends and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies and thine eyes shall behold it and i will give all judah into the hand of the king of babylon and he shall carry them captive into babylon and shall slay them with the sword you mean, I thought I put you in stocks. You need to change your message. No. If God has called you, your message remains the same. And if you trace back my 42 years here in Canada, I have not become a soft, sweet guy and, uh, you know, somebody that's so charismatic that I call your hypocritical children angels. No, I preach the gospel. And parents are responsible for raising their children. 
You understand what I'm saying? At the slight touch of a prophet runs in my being, and that is why I would sit down and feel comfortable to cry for these men and their lives that they live. As I look back at the 42 years that God has brought me through many, many battles, was I always an angel? No. Uh, there are times, this morning I was telling someone, this morning I came to church and I have some things, you know, apart from being a preacher, I like to take care of dead plants. And so I've got some plants, uh, two orchids and some other plants down in the, in the basement that should have been dead, and I try to keep them. So this morning I came and pulled a chair over there, and I'm working on these plants to bring them back to life. My Banga Villa is very flourishing, but I know when the season changes and I put it out, it loses leaves and then start back. But there am I sitting, and um, I said, you know what? Uh, let me check my phone, see if anybody's calling me, and I look. Um, Brother Brintley called, and I'm telling Brother Brintley, I said, Brother Brintley, you know, whatever, and uh, we need, we need to remind me to do something uh, later on. But he was calling, he called me and was talking to me, and I told him, I said, Brother Brintley, God has really helped me during the pandemic. I said, I give every man a fighting chance. You see Winston there? I prayed for him without him even knowing. I pray for Melanie, without Melanie even showing up. I pray. Uh, when I don't see Melanie, I make sure someone takes something to uh, represent us to her. You know, it's something. And I told Brother Brentley, I said, you know, I give every man a fighting chance. And while I'm talking to him, I said, the Lord has really helped me. Then Chandri, a uh, phone call is coming in. I said, Brother Brentley, can you hold a minute? Chandri is calling me. And I picked up my phone, and uh, there was Chandri telling me about a certain person that I need to talk to. And I told Chandri, I said, those people are a waste of my time. <laughs> right over, as soon as I made a statement, I remember in Kenmure when I said, I used to be upset when people honk, but not anymore. By the time I left the church, by the time I, before I even hit the highway, somebody was blowing behind me. And I'm ready to stop in the one lane to block traffic. You see why people get shot? <laughs> and so, as soon as I said that, um, I said, Chandri, give me the number, send the number to me. And I took the number, and uh, I, I um, felt like there was this conviction in my heart. And I'm so sorry that I drew a conclusion, because the, the individual needed that attention. So you don't know what people are going through. They're suffering. And so by the time I got back to Brother Brintley, I told him, I said, I blew it. By the time I'm finished telling you how God has helped me, the devil gave me an opportunity to make myself, show myself that it was still sitting somewhere in my heart, this human nature that is going to be there and I have to war with it until the time is up. And so time is almost up on me here tonight. But Jeremiah is pronouncing judgment upon this man and upon his family. And then Pashur, verse 6, And all that dwell in thine house, and thou, Pashur, and all that dwell in thine house shall go up into captivity, and thou shalt come to Babylon, and there thou shalt die, and shalt be buried. Thou and all that, uh, where am I, and all thy friends to whom thou hast uh, prophesied lies. They say, all the people you prophesied lies, they'd all go to Babylon and die. But you see, Jeremiah's attitude was not the best of attitude. 
And because you have that wrong attitude, you, now you can blame the people and then you want to blame God. And he said here, Lord, thou hast deceived me. And I was deceived because you're stronger than I and you have prevailed. I'm in derision daily. Every day I'm in trouble. Everyone mock at me. And since I speak, I cry violence. All you give me to preach is not nice messages on, you know, seven steps to justification or something like that. He says, I preach violence and spoil because thy word was made a reproach unto me and in derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of you anymore. I'll not preach anymore. I quit. Lord, I quit. But if God has called you, you can't quit. And he goes on, he says, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. It's kept on talking, he says, verse 10, for I heard the defaming of many. Fear on every side. People says, that's an idiot. I don't like how Desmond is preaching. I think he's too hard. He's too blunt. Why he has this attitude? Well, and listen what Jeremiah that's why I like these men, because I relate with them. And he goes on here, he says, report this, eh? And we will report it. You just make a talk, and we, anything you say contrary, we'll report it. He says, all my familiars, my friends, my family, and fellow prophets uh, watched for my mistake. They were waiting for me to err, that they can report it. And so... When you think about it, he says, but the Lord. This is what the good thing is. Uh, you complain, complain, complain. But if God is working in your life, you'll put the but. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble. And he goes on to praise God. Isn't that a beautiful thing about Jeremiah? When you read the, the third chapter of Lamentation, it's the same attitude he had. He complained. He says, thou hast led me. I'll just take one second here of your time. In chapter 3 of, Jer of Lamentation, Jeremiah is, reaching, is preaching here. Uh, is pre uh, speaking here. He says, I'm a man that has seen affliction by the rod of God's wrath. He had led me and brought me into darkness. God did. And not into light. Surely against me he is stern, and he, his hand is against me all the days. He says, my flesh, I'm suffering because God is doing that to me. Isn't this wonderful? It's a good revelation that we should have that the devil can do nothing to you except God permits him. Satan is impotent in the lives of the elect unless you give him the strength he wants. You cannot blame the devil for your lack of dedication and incompetence. Never. You are responsible. Take the devil away and we'll never have overcomers. But you need the negative challenges against you so your root can go stronger in and you can serve God stronger in God. And every one of these prophets their humanity sometimes got in the way. Just like us as preachers, sometimes your humanity gets in the way. Either you get discouraged or you want to quit, but you can't quit if God has called you. And so when we look at the Bible and the example of these men, he says here in chapter uh, chapter 3, uh, the Lord, verse 22, it is the Lord's mercy that we're not completely destroyed, completely consumed, because his compassion fail not, 
They are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Same man complained one moment, but then he understood that God is working. So when someone is complaining, don't rap condemn them. Don't throw them in the garbage. It is a human thing to complain when things are not going good. You be patient and listen and pray for that individual because one day you might be in that same position and need someone to listen and to pray for you. It's nice chatting with you here tonight and talking to you. May God let these words challenge our lives and strengthen our faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for another Wednesday night. We thank, Lord, we thank you for these examples, these great examples of the stalwarts that you have left before us, Lord, in history that we can look to. We can see their flaws and their victories. We can see their strengths and we can see their weaknesses, Father. But in the end, any work that you have started will be completed. The job would be completed. And you will say to these same individuals that seem to be vacillating sometimes, strong sometimes, you can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Help us, Father, that when we are discouraged, that we can lift up our eyes unto you from whence cometh our help. Lord, let this message strengthen every feeble mind and every child that's listening to us here tonight, Father. In Jesus' name we ask it, and for his glory. Amen and amen and amen.